1: All right, folks, welcome back to the latest mountain west Wire football podcast preview season is here Uh, You may have noticed, uh, I had a couple other podcasts going around Uh talking about san Diego state, which again matt is joining me as well as always We are Mm -hmm. uh matt not going to uh, we're making these kind of evergreen timeless timely stuff. So Not gonna mention too much of the other podcasts we're doing, but these are team previews. This is team number three What have we done? Colorado state and utah state correct? Yes, it is So team number three We'll go through 12. We'll probably have the schedules are, yeah. You'll just just download us, right? Matt, go to Spotify, go to iTunes or podcast, whatever you call it, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher. Do people still use Stitcher, Matt? Do you know? Are you aware? I don't,
0: I have no idea, but let's assume that they do.
1: I used to use Stitcher a lot because it's pretty good. But yeah, wherever you get your podcast, we'll have all these uh, about once a week pre team previews. We're going through summer off some other stuff going on too. So check out MWR.com. Matt, you're spearheading some all divisional type stuff. Because remember, divisions are dead. So top two teams are going to play in the championship game this year. So that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. This week, we need to tell who pe- people should know if they run the title. There's no secret who we're talking about this week, right? Every week, they should know. We're talking Boise State Broncos because, you know, the fans voted on Twitter at Matt, And now we have to do what they say.
0: <laughs> that is generally how it works. But it, it seems to be an arrangement <laughs> that everybody is happy with. So I
1: don't think It is. It's good. We did four new teams for the first three shows. So now it's kind of mix and match and fan base to step up. Utah State's a big one. CSU, Boise. So we'll get to it now. So Boise State here, what we do with these previews, if you're new and never found us before. Thank you. Welcome. Subscribe, listen, download all that fun stuff. Trying Boise State Broncos. So what we usually do is previews, as we all know, we talked about last year for a little bit. And last year is, uh, what would you call it? A first and second half type of season. Due to the quarterback situation changing midway, or at least the first month,
0: it was definitely more of an adventure than I think Brockhorns fans would have preferred.
1: Um, yeah. You know what I
0: wrote in my notes is that it didn't quite begin or end as they would have hoped, but you know at the same time it's still another ten win season, ten and four overall, oh, undefeated
1: man. at Mountain West play,
0: <laughs> and you know the midseason turnaround no, was no. one of the.
1: Oh, best sorry, championship conference. I was gonna say no, but I was looking at the. Schedule here. Championship game does not count. That was play. So, yeah. yeah. Sorry for interruption there. I think the down point was losing to UTEP 27 to 10. Is that safe to say last season? Yeah.
0: No, that was definitely like the turning point because that was when, you know, that was when the offensive coordinator Tim Plough was removed from the job. They turned to Dirk Cutter on an interim basis and seemingly on the fly, they remade the offense. You know, they committed more fully to a quarterback change and you know, on top of a, a, a an excellent Boise State defense that we hadn't really seen play at that kind of level for a few years, you know, that was the magic formula for them to be able to turn things around. You know, they definitely got pushed down the stretch a little more so in November, but the fact that yeah. they had a resurgent ground game on their on their side, you know, they they averaged about four and a half yards per carry in the first eight games, and then bumped that up by a yard per carry in the last six. um, but and and it really kind of depends on what kind of perspective you want to take. I think you know Boise State fans have every right to continue to be optimistic mm-hmm. about their chances of of staying in the mix, competing for another Mountain West title. I know that there's a lot of prognosticators already who who believe that Boise State is the odds-on favorite to win the Mountain West this year, but there might be a potential catch.
1: So I'm going to talk one little, two little things about last year. I was doing research. I didn't realize, or maybe I forgot, Taylor Green actually replaced Hank Bachmar in Oregon State. Yeah. So I was looking at the... Yeah, Yeah, Cameron Leaf. Oregon State's really good. They're going to be really good this year, too. So they are a, a team I'm looking high on for the Pac-12 and beyond. Can you tell me, Matt, when they beat... Excuse me, San Diego State. When they beat the uh, Aztecs, who the leading passer was for that game, without looking or cheating. Do you have any idea? San Diego pa- State was? Anybody's. The leading passer for the game.
0: Oh, um... That I don't know what? off the top of my
1: head. Do you know who Sam Vidlick is?
0: Sam Vidlick, uh, current Bidlick. Montana quarterback.
1: Sorry, Vidlick, apologize. 86 yards. <laughs> I forgot he played. So I'm looking at that game 35 13. George Lonnie, Taylor Green. Taylor Green had a good off uh, rushing attempt 105 yards. Ashton Jensen did as well. But I'm like, see, who's Sam Vidlack? I'm like, because Braxton Burmeister was still playing 33 yards. That if you're mm-hmm. a passing if you're a passing fan, you do not want to watch that game. I'm like, who is Vidlack? Like the Aztecs yeah, do something. That
0: was that was Green's first official start, but he shared time with Vidlack in that game before more or less taking on the, the yeah. starting role for good.
1: Exactly. I was like, I'm like, wait, I want to look at this a bit more. So I just kind of want wanted to bring that up because all right, Ed Vidlack there. Then Green, turned it on. We'll, we'll get to it, get to all the quarterbacks and what that potentially could be. So we we have our all buddy right, but,
0: but oh. before we move on though. I want to point oh, out a couple ahead. of other things to sort of, you know, put in context what they accomplished last year and maybe provide some framing as to how Boise state fans should think about this year, because yes, they won 10 games, but you know, you, to your point, think about some of the quarterbacks that Boise State actually played last year. Mm-hmm. They got to face miles Kendrick. They got to face the, the, uh, the, the, Braxton Burmeister, complete with the fork sticking out of his back.
1: Yeah, the end of the face, Burmeister era.
0: They got to face not, Logan Fife very early on in his stint replacing Jake Haner, when oh Fresno State was very much still reeling from the injuries that they suffered. Um, they got to face Gene Clemens in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. They got to face Nevada.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Just just Nevada. All of all of uh, which is to
0: say. That, that is not going to happen again this year.
1: Oh, and least, at least to that was, extent. Sorry, I was going to at Utah State play because they were, were, went through many QBs. just Cooper Lagasse. So that's a yeah. reasonable, very good QB, in my opinion.
0: But maybe more importantly, last year, according to, to FEI, Brian Fremo's efficiency metric, we State finished 60th in the country. And he's been tracking FEI since 2007. That's the lowest finish for any Broncos team. In that stretch of time, so you're like you're talking about what 15 seasons, yeah. Their SP Plus ranking at the end of last year, 59th, was their lowest since 1999,
1: and they still won 10 games.
0: <laughs> they still won 10 games. So,
1: which is all to say that the
0: expectations, rightfully, are as high as they have ever been, but the pressure to maintain excellence could be greater than it has been because now you're looking around. That Fiesta Bowl, the most recent one, is now a decade in the rear view.
1: Yeah, Arizona, the, uh, yeah, yeah, with uh, Brian Hartson when they played, who uh, was it Arizona? Yeah. Yeah,
0: 2014. So the pieces are there to make a run. But this is still, a, this is still much like last year's team and in the, in the couple of Broncos teams before that, still a team with, with just a few question marks that could keep them from reaching that highest peak. So like, which is all to say the Boise state is still very good. They still have a talent advantage over just about everybody else in the conference, but the path before them isn't bulletproof. It's not obstacle proof. I guess is what I'm saying overall.
1: And really quick, you mentioned that November, which was, Outside of Nevada, like they played a BOU team tough that ended up reasonably good, losing by three. Wyoming, the only one by three. Utah State, 42 23, but it was literally down to the final moments where Utah State was about to score within a touchdown and then lose to Fresno State. So that and losing by 12, reasonably close in the championship game. Those type of games could, should help them this year. It's like, okay, we've been through some adversity, won a couple, lost a couple. That will, should help them. Like, cause Taylor Greene, like, I think it will, I'm gonna talk about coaches really quick, but he again he came in the game one versus Oregon State, played okay to relief, took over the job, split versus SDSU, and it was the guy the rest of the way. and did reasonably uh, very well. Actually ran the ball well. He had to get ten touchdowns. He threw the ball pretty good. Wasn't asked to do a lot. Receiving group will get to is okay. It helped with the running game, but having him eight full games or not even eight, but starting what nine, ten games somewhere played eleven on the year. Started from Fresno State on. I guess San Diego State, but split time. The the mm-hmm. guy after Fresno state beyond as a brand new quarterback as a freshman. It's like, no, many do that. 300 yards versus CSU, multiple games over 200 yards. So that, but the adversity in November is going to help them. And then the bowl game was close to 35, 32 North Texas. That was a lot of back and forth games Um, for recalling what went on that matchup. So being in close games and having a brand new guy that helped, but I think one concern before you get to next year, like there's player concern, but coaches, look how many coaches did replace like Dirk Cutter was only he's like I'm not staying long term I'm here to just chill and hang out and guide the ship for the new guy. Mm-hmm. They had multiple coaches. They have promotions within guys just started, decided to retire. New offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. All these new coaches that came in that could be a concern.
0: Maybe, but you know their new I, offensive coordinator Bush Hamden has had some track record of success. You know he came from Missouri. Um, mm-hmm. And when he was tasked with taking on play calling duties, basically taking it away from uh, a Drinkwitz out there in Colombia, you know, from, from what I understand of, of everything that I read about him leading er, in the immediate aftermath of the hiring is that the tiger's offense improved under his watch. And so I think that that, that provides a reasonable sign and he, I believe I forget exactly how long he had been there, but there was at least one quarterback that he worked with that, you know played pretty well as a similar kind of dual threat quarterback in the same way that Green himself is and so you know he has of course familiarity with the with the Broncos program former quarterback and all that but I think he also has the coaching bona fides to make you think that like given what he was able to do to sort of improve Brady Cook last year and to be able to you know at least you know have a uh, I would say not a net negative role as a position coach, as an offensive coordinator before that.
1: I don't know if yeah, I necessarily
0: it, can share the same degree of concern.
1: Well, I mean, with so many new coaches, it's not going to be a smooth transition. It, like mm-hmm. the experience elsewhere help. I'm saying, if, okay, here's the thing. We're looking, I'm looking for a needle here. Like what could be a problem? Not that it'd be a problem, but just maybe it could cause just some newness around when you were, when they replaced, I think, was it seven total coaches? I believe on their staff. They replaced it was quite a, a few. few. Guys. I don't remember the exact number. It was it was quite a, quite, quite a lot. It's like they bring in Jabil Frazier to get promotion from a GA to be a, what is he doing? The new edge coach, we're going to call that because Kelly Kelly Kelly, ah, Kelly Papinga left back to Islam alumni base school. I can't speak. BYU where he graduated. I'm trying to be fancy words, but went to the back to BYU to be a coach there. So there's all these guys that just kind of move positions. It's It could be fine. But there's things we have so many new coaches. Same thing when we talk about New Mexico, how comfortable we're going to be when they bring in two new coordinators? There's going to be some learning curve, some differences, and they weren't all just promotions from within. So I'm just saying, yeah, like bringing all these. Here's new the co- thing,
0: though. Yeah, and, and I think if you want to start by talking about quarterback, Taylor Green had about as good first year as you could hope for. Mm-hmm. Like it, it wasn't an A plus redshirt freshman campaign you know he did have some struggles down the stretch i think most notably in the championship game at home against fresno state Mm -hmm. but at the same time all all, all things considered and and considering what he was asked to do you know his final numbers you know 14 touchdowns six interceptions which is roughly a a 2.2 percent interception rate that's solid you know seven and a half yards per attempt that's solid 61 percent completion rate also solid
1: and rushing, according rushing, to Pro Football Focus,
0: uh-huh, yeah, ten rushing touchdowns. But and, and related to that, he also was only he also only took five sacks, which was the fewest in the Mountain West. You know, ran for over six hundred yards when he once you adjust for sacks, and maybe most importantly, you know, if you talk about average depth of target, at least among qualifying quarterbacks in the Mountain West, he was number one in that regard, eleven point two yards. So when it wasn't like he. I'm sorry, what would
1: you say? No, so you mentioned PFF. He's the number one He surpassed every quarterback in the Mountain West last year for a grade. He edged out yeah. Shavon Cordero. And so, like, it's yeah, close. But...
0: At least in terms of overall grade, you know, 78.8, he is the mm-hmm. top quarterback returning in the conference this year. So, which is not to say that I think, you know, all he needs to do a ton to be able to, you know, take the depth step forward. But it does sort of lead to, a, I would say, an intriguing uh, lead into one of the questions that we got. Do we think he can win Offensive Player of the Year? Which is an interesting question because I know we're of two minds of this, you and me.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking doing some more because we you asked on works are on DMs or staff like, hey, give us a couple guys. Everybody's like, hey, who should be considered? When we look at as of right now, when we do because for me preseason awards are different than postseason, obviously because we watch the guys play however many Mm -hmm. games for the season, 12 to 14, 15, however many it might be. If we're looking at preseason, I'm not voting for Taylor going to be the number one quarterback. I can't do it because even though he had a good year, like not even for a a true freshman, he had a very good year last year overall, like what you just mentioned, including his rushing stats, he's quite good. Because well, how do you describe preseason play there, how they're going to do or what they're going into the season? When I'm looking at going into the season – I I I cannot pick Taylor Green. He could be my pick at the end of the year. He would be in my top couple, but based on preseason for what's been done in the past, I'm not going to go toward him. I think he could get it for postseason once I see him play a full season again, which maybe I'm being naive or dumb or just who, who knows, but I just think there at the moment, there are better quarterbacks and better. There are two better players to conference them right now on offense, at least two. But if you're the best quarterback, if you're – not even that. If you're the best team that wins – let's say Boise State wins a conference, there's a very good chance it'll be Taylor Green. Could be George Shalane if he pulls off the season like uh, what Donald Pumphrey or those San Diego State running backs did back in the day, Richard Penny. But he has a um, – he's not alone in there with Ashton Genty, so he may eat away some yards. So could he win it? Yeah, but if I'm voting – what am I voting today? I'm not voting for him as my preseason offensive player of the year. Well, that makes one
0: he of might us
1: – Am I being too mean for this? Like, I think my rationalization is there. Like, he, I, I think he could be. I understand be. where
0: you're coming from.
1: Give me Tory Horton all day. Come on. He is the best offensive player in the conference. It's not close. No, see, when
0: I when I do this, when I do this thought exercise, and we're working on pulling it together right now. Um, check for that later on com. What I always ask myself is can this person be the best player in the conference by year's end? I think he could be. And Based off of what I saw last year, I think you know there, and, and I think in terms of like a group of a group of players, yes or no, and to me, I have to include Green in that group just based off of what he did last year. I know oh, I that totally am CFB as well. Stats, I know the CFP stats. You know has him you know credited for about 200 yards of total offense per game, but I do think that's skewed a little bit by the fact that. He didn't accrue anything against both New Mexico and you know UTM early in the season last year. You know you look at what he was able to accomplish after that, and you know other than the first two games against San Diego State and Fresno State, where he was really getting his feet wet, even while the team was winning anyway, you know after that he really started coming into his own. And you know the the question I think is how much more are they going to ask him to do? like how much of a bigger role is he going to take on because he's in a situation, which we'll talk more about in a moment as we move to other positions where I think a lot of his candidacy is going to have less to do with him and more to do with what happens around him.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to go back real quickly. and mentioned like what guys can potentially do my group of guys. So I'm putting Clay Millen could take that next step, right? If the offensive line gets around for CSU, he could be, He's a long, long shot to be player of the year, but what he did last year past, if he has the best receiver in the conference, Torrey Horton will make him better. John Lee Eldridge, if he's the main guy at Air Force, could be a potential guy. Shavon Cordero, San Jose what they've done this past, like kind of what you mentioned, not to just to go against you, but what we've seen them do and what they could do next, Shavon Cordero may not get much better just because of losing players on his team, whereas Taylor Green has a new run, another running back Gentian of the year, receiver group taking next step. I just think, I think he can win it, but I'm not there yet for what he could do. But I think there's like five or six players and also quarterback play across the conference. Now we're sticking Boise here. People are like, oh, it's not very good. It's not great. There's all these guys that take a huge step, and Green's going to be one of them. Like, we see what Cooper Lagarde could do Utah State when he gets a full year? When you look at what San Diego State could do, Jalen made it for a full year. Playing safety and playing quarterback, same situation, Taylor Green coming in midway through the year extremely well. Like and whatever we'll see what New Mexico with their transfer from UAB coming in. This quarterback play will be great. I I just can't pick them. Like maybe I'm people are gonna yell at me, say, how can you not do that for what he did? He'll take the next step. But he's gonna be really good. And he'll and because Phil still has him first team, Athlon has him second team, he's legit top three quarterback right now. And if they win the conference, he'll probably get the award because that's kind of how it goes.
0: Well, you know the other problem that he has is or rather his candidacy has. What's that? He has two really good running backs behind him. I know, backfield.
1: exactly, yes. That's why George Roddy can be one of those guys too. That could be uh, could be considered the best player of the year. So that's a good move. But yeah, those two running backs, Gentin, Uh, Holani, they're number one and number three in returning rushing yards for the Mountain West. And so they're going to be even better, I think. It
0: And it, it really is going to be a challenge, I think, to stop this ground game, if only because both guys operated at such a high level pretty consistently throughout the and year. Um, you know be, you know between the two of them they combined for about five and a quarter combined yards per carry 5.24 17 combined touchdowns and and you know most importantly you know one of the questions that we always had over the past couple of years is can George Halani stay healthy and you know keeping him on a relative pitch count while also you know in, in, you know including Genty pretty mm-hmm consistently from the get-go like he only had four carries against oregon state but they figured out pretty quickly oh yeah he could actually do some things you know 12 (laughs) carries against new mexico 10 against Mm -hmm. utm and and it wasn't really until the bowl game against north texas that his workload really took off but i think that that sort of speaks to the reality that if knock on wood something happens to Holani, they have a pretty reliable running back who can shoulder a similarly heavy workload like kalani himself had like what one two three four five games where he had at least 20 carries last year it wouldn't shock me if he had a similarly heavy workload but if they did decide to scale back just a touch and give genti a little more uh room to work with a little more playbook to work with they should. You know, this this could take off in a lot of different directions like it's gonna make it's gonna make the offense really difficult to stop because you know what both of those running backs can do. They're both slashers, but they're both very explosive, and they can you know get into the open field before you know it.
1: Yeah, so like total carries 221, 221 for Lonnie. He missed the Air Force game one fifty six for Jente. I can see that being kind of similar. About even with that game not, it includes the bowl game as well. So had had he played the Air Force game, maybe ten more total carries overall. So who knows who would have got those, but we know Helani's the guy. But I, do, I think he might get a hand, a few, uh, just a couple fewer carries per game because he's been healthy his first year and his fourth fourth year. We'll yeah, see. What I mean, we next. haven't
0: really seen the Broncos have a pair of running backs like this since Alexander
1: Washington Madison, Mark. right? Like when Alexander Madison
0: was was the guy, like he was very much the guy. Like he had three hundred carries back in back in uh, yeah in twenty eighteen. Like to me, the the comp, at least think. off the top of my head, is is when they had DJ Harper and Jay Ajayi in the backfield together way back oh, in 2012.
1: That's what I was thinking of, yeah. And the, having that combination is gonna be yeah, because Madison, yeah, he had 302 a couple back in 2018. Yeah, to, And, then, yeah, and so. then behind them,
0: you know, Tyler Crow and Caden Dudley could probably contribute in any other backfield than all the west, but that's uh that's what uh, good good recruiting will do for you.
1: Yeah, and so, as long, as again, as long as it's like, hey, they're healthy. Because Lonnie, that's what I've always said. When he's going going well and plays full strength, they're going to win almost almost every game they're in, which they do anyways. Mm-hmm. But the games they lose, it's like, oh, he had 10 carries for 36 yards or whatever it may be. Or Oregon State game specifically, 13 for nine. Not very good. Mm-hmm. Like the UTEP game, he – 75 yards or touchdowns was whatever. Not amazing, but just okay. But I think part of – those two guys would be great. But I think the offensive line – Because we've seen since Hank Buckmark got speared versus Florida State, it's been a disaster, whether it's health or inefficient play or rotating guys around. And depending where you look at, they have, what, three to four, three or four starters back on the offensive line. Depends if you're looking like at Phil Still or Athlon or something. Depends who's out there. And those guys have double-digit starts returning, like Riley Smith. Or excuse me, that's tied up. My bad. Look at the wrong one. Uh, Garrett Curran. They have a couple of guys back there who could be starting who played last year. And if those guys... It's so dumb, like health is a... Who knows injury luck and everything, but if the guys are eighty five percent at their own position, which is maybe is that number seem too high for injury or replacement or just substitution, I think eighty five percent a pretty good, a high goal to get. If they're eighty percent in that range, they'll be fine. They'll be really really good because once that once the unit is settled and because I remember we talked, I can all have numbers in front of me, but last year's years before we chat, Matt, that this is game six of eight, six of seven, with a different starting offensive line for Boise State. Can the right guard move to left tackle or the center move to right tackle or something? That's been a concern over the past three to five years of just not having consistent play, whether switching players around for not playing well or guys getting banged up, unfortunately. And if that can stay in check, we're good. this team's going to be good because Green can run and avoid sacks, which helps a bit, quite a bit, if the line does have to change here and there but due to some unforeseen something like just because the guy's not playing that will help move the off help the offenses a lot because bakumar just sat back there really because that's just kind of how he plays he wasn't too mobile unless he tried to sidestep and go up the middle when a lane opened yeah i was going
0: to say you know even with the second half surge last year or or maybe the conference play surge the broncos still had eight different combinations along the offensive line throughout the year and some of that had to do with injuries um, I think not most good. notably, you know, of uh, the guys coming back and, and figuring to take on a bigger role again, you know Ben Dooley, who's seen time at both guard positions over the last couple of years. The major question about the Broncos right now up front is the is the reality that they're having to replace players at the two most important positions, arguably left tackle and center. So. You know, the main, so i think the, the biggest question on this entire unit is okay well who's going to step up and win those jobs are they going to move kate beresford from the right toe to the left to replace john and juku um are they gonna are, are they gonna elevate a youngster who wins the job in fall camp like cage casey um you know they brought in ethan card from texas tech you know he's a he's a, a So they have options there, and that's also true at center where, you know, we've seen over the last couple of years what can happen when you have unreliable play at that position. You know, they had to shuffle through Will Ferrar and and, uh, Kakani Holomalia Gonzalez over the last couple of years. Both of those guys are gone now. And so that job could fall to, you know, someone like, you know, another transfer, Nikolai Butchnowski from Virginia Tech, Mason Randolph, Nathan Cardona. Regardless of who steps in, you know, you mentioned Coran, I mentioned Beresford, other guys like that. I think, you know, depth isn't going to be a problem if they can stay healthy, but they did set a very high bar for themselves to match from last year. You know, we mentioned the fact that Green only took five sacks last year, um, which led to the re- which led to the fact that the Broncos as a team had a sack rate allowed of only 3.4%. That's 16th in the country last year. You know, can they keep it up? Can they keep Green from having to extend plays too often on his own? Um, you know, same thing with like stuff rate, they were 19th overall, 14.1%. Opportunity rate, you know, getting Hawani and Genti and others to the second level. They were 21st, you know, 52%. If they can do if they can do that, if they can find reliable replacements up front, you know, this this offense, I think, as a whole has a very high ceiling. If they can find oh, reliable totally. answers and keep them on the field,
1: yeah, that's that, that's their biggest concern. Despite the transfers you mentioned and guys returning from Austria either either started or played multiple games, I, I, I it's like I don't know. It's hard with these magazines because they get printed early. I know Phil Still said he'll update his. I think throughout, I believe that's what he said when he go through it. If you purchase that digital version, but like he mentioned, like there's two different things. Like is Cake is um who is it? Cage uh, Casey going to be left tackle? He's listed on Phil Still, but Athlon has him as a backup. So I don't know. So it's kind of, I know they talk to these coaches and stuff, but it's also those type of information where transfers, portal, it's hard to get these things 100% right because these guys go to print before the portal season even ends. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes before they mm-hmm. find a place. But that position is their biggest concern for if they're going to be very good or like elite and make it back to a near six game. Because for looking at all the changes, I will get the schedule and stuff down the road, but like all the changes for realignment with UCF, Cincinnati going to the Big 12 a couple of those moves there. That kind of cuts out a few teams. Tulane's likely the most difficult team to make it to a New York Six game. A couple of Sunbelt teams like App Stando. James Madison still, I believe, ineligible because of transition years. But there's some teams out. There's only a couple of teams that they got to beat out. And the offensive line is key to that. So right receiver, and we mentioned this offseason when I talk about it, they have a, a good core back. They could potentially have the best depth, but they don't have – and Maybe it's maybe a nitpicky like a Khalil Shakir or a guy who's going to be the dude and pull in like 80 80 catches or something. They have a bunch of solid guys, Stephen Cobbs, Latrell Capels, Billy Bowens, and even Ted and Riley Smith. They have a bunch of good guys. I th- it'd be help. like there's two ways to look at it about like okay, if you have three to four, three to five guys who 20 plus catches good, but do you want like Elisha Cooks or a Torrey Horton or Jalen Moreno Copper who get pulls in sixty nine plus catches? Those guys have Brian Cobbs, Utah State seventy six. Nick like Nico Romizio seventy four at uh, Fresno last year. What do they want? Do they want that breakout guy who catches six ca- six passes a game? Or I mean, that's a lot, but four to six. Or my guy who catches two and a half a game, but have a bunch of those guys. I think if they're gonna be that good, they need like a legit go to number one guy, and maybe it's Latrell Caples. He led the team in most categories last year. Um, I don't know. I like Stephen Cobbs to be that guy because he's an experienced senior. All these guys are experienced as well. It's a good group, but I'm, I want to look and see who's going to be the guy to get in, like get at least seven touchdowns.
0: See, I don't know if I agree because when you look at the guys you know, who caught at least ten passes last year, I believe all but two of them are back this year. The only the only absence is being Davis Cutter, who graduated, and I believe Tyaniel Hopper, who. I believe he transferred. I forget that off the top of my head. But, you know, you have a pair of reliable pass-catching running backs out of the backfield. We didn't mention that earlier, but Genty and Holani also combined for 38 receptions themselves. And, you know, part of the challenge that Boise State had last year was, you know, working through some health concerns in this unit as well. I think Cobbs, you know, was the, the biggest name in that regard. I think we all expected him to take a step forward. So the, the fact that he only had 29 catches... For 396 yards and a couple touchdowns, felt like a vague disappointment in retrospect. But at the same time, you know cables out of the slot, you know, emerged as maybe their number one option by year's end. You know he down the stretch he had at least four catches in in five of the team's last six games, and for the year he only had one drop in 73 targets. You know so that gave him you know a, a sort of a security blanket that Green could rely on. Um, you know, Holani and Genty did the same thing out of the backfield, gave them reliable pass-catching valves. And then between Cobbs, when he was healthy, and a youngster like Eric McAllister, who really came on strong down the stretch, you know, McAllister for the year, let's not forget, averaged 23.6 yards per reception and, and scored four touchdowns in the last six games. And, and granted, he didn't see the field a ton. He only ended up with 11 receptions on the season. But it became pretty clear that, you know, Boise State liked what they saw in him, which is why they gave him more of a workload as the season went on. So, like, between the two of them, with Caples and, and, let's not forget Billy Bowens, who's also back, you know, that's a reliable oh, wow. foursome right there. And and you mentioned Riley Smith, that will make it really hard for defenses to focus on just one guy. So, like, we've we've seen the Boise State offense funnel through, like, you know, uh, a dude. But we've also seen it the other way, too, where you know, they haven't necessarily had, like, one Cedric Wilson-type guy. You know, back in 2018, for example, they had, you know, three guys, Sean Modster, A.J. Richardson, C.T. Thomas, who caught between 68 and 41 catches. Each of them, you know, had roughly 13 to 15 yards per catch, and and it worked out for them. Like they won, they went to the Mountain West Championship that game or that year too.
1: No, I agree. I just to be helpful. because so I guess two, what I'm saying, minds, like they don't necessarily thoughts, right?
0: have an all conference guy that leaps off the page. But no. I think the offense is in a position where they don't need it to win be a bunch nice. of games and thrive on offense. I'm
1: I, saying, I think if they want to be the elite question, team, that'd be helpful. If they're going to be that elite may- next top ten team. Yeah, I mean it may be
0: more nitpicking than anything, but I think one question that I'm interested in is seeing whether Green and these receivers can can sort it out. Last year he had 37 pass plays of 20 or more yards. It was 13, about 13 and a half percent, 13.6. And when you compare that to other top quarterbacks in the conference, it's more or less in line with other guys like you know Jake Hainer or Cordero, Cordero and things like that. One of the things that really sort of stood out to me, and this is another PFF stat. Was the fact that he was only credited with 10 big time throws. You know, you know, throws down the field into tight windows, things like that. And so for the sake of comparison, I thought it was I thought it was worth throwing out there. Cordero was credited with 27. And Clay Millen, who were as much as he was beat up, and we talked about that in the CSU podcast, he had 18 big time throws. So I'm very interested to see whether Green will be able to bump up that kind of production because if they're already you know, having him throw down the field more often than just about anybody else in the conference. I'm very interested to see whether he could take that next step as a passer, with the skill around him.
1: No, that's that's a good point. That's why I'm wondering if they. I I, I get your point. It's not needed, but I think it'd be nice. It's like, oh, it's nice to have this. That's where I think yeah. where I'm getting at. Where it'd be nice to have. So that's where I'm getting at, where it's not just like up guys, clearly, because it's like the the concept where, okay, yeah, four-receiver is like basketball. Well, we'll let this one guy score. Four, let, we'll, We'd rather have – okay, better example, sorry. It's a weird example. Steph Curry, when he's in college, there is a game where they're like, we're not going to let this guy beat us. So they literally double-teamed him the whole game when he's with, I think, Davidson. Mm-hmm. Coach was so stubborn. Both coaches were so stubborn. They never took him out. And, of course, Davidson lost because you're playing four and five basketball the whole game. Because you're mm-hmm. doubling him the entire time, so and you hear routes roll well, we'll, or or so like that's a weird, extreme example, but you'll see teams like okay, we'll let their best player, which Boise doesn't have them the receiver, like we're gonna let him beat us, but we don't want this number three receiver to go off. Like we'll let him get his thing because like if you're playing Randy Moss to Vikings, and he's around Jerry Rice, those big guys, well they'll get theirs regardless. Don't let tight end number three or this other guy make these big plays. Boise doesn't have it; they have everybody's really good. So they have to focus on everybody. So it's like, what would you want to want where you can't do double coverage? You can't do your defense has to focus on everybody. You can't put extra focus on one main guy and adjust your zone defense or however you want to do, whether you have a great tight end or your defensive scheme changes. You have to play the whole field, not playing. Okay. These guys are whatever. I'll we'll play. Cover, but We'll double this guy. Or we'll shade this guy or we'll play zone on this guy. They have, they have to focus on everybody. Which means likely a lot of one-on-one coverage or zone coverage that's favorable when you're going to against a bunch of receivers, mm-hmm. so you're like, okay, they're really good, but not nobody's amazing. So, like, what would you rather have? If boy, but again, if Boyce is gonna break into a top fifteen and go to whatever big time bowl game, if that's even on the table, if they because that's lofty goal to get there, I do think they need one of those guys that would be helpful, but not prohibitive for them getting.
0: Yeah, and we did you know what? We did even mention like everybody who could feasibly step up and take on a role. Like, you know, they have Austin Bolt coming back from injury, and he was, you know, generated a lot of buzz during ball camp last year before a season-ending injury wiped out his 2022. Uh, they also brought in Chase Penry from Colorado through the transfer portal. And, you know, one of their latest true freshman pass catchers, Prince Strachan, was making uh, some waves of his own in the spring. So, you know, any of those guys could step up and catch 10, 20 balls in this offense, I think.
1: I do as well. It'll be it'll be if we look looking at offenses overall, they're probably gonna be what was we did our rankings? Were they what number one in most categories? Well,
0: they we were did in the, the top uh, two or three in pretty much every category, yeah. Yeah,
1: because I'm looking at was it, Phil still here? Let me pull up his thing because he ranks every position group as well. When we look at offense, let me scroll back on my digital copy here. He he has number one quarterback, number one running back, number one receiver, and number two on some offensive line. So basically the best offense overall. The only offensive line he predicts better than, or is Air Force, which is not surprising, because Falcons always have a great offensive line.
0: Yeah, I think they're going to need it too. Because line? turning our attention to the defense. No, 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 just oh, in yeah. terms of like oh, overall yeah, yeah, yeah. production. Because what the defense was able to accomplish last year is going to be very difficult to replicate, in my opinion. Just in terms yeah. of like some of the advanced numbers that I, I like to look at in these team previews. On defense in particular last year they were 16th in the country in net or excuse me in points per drive allowed 1.66 they were 11th in available yards percentage per drive allowed i don't think they're going to get there again and that's not even getting into other things like the fact that they were closer to the middle of the pack in terms of defensive stuff, right like we talked a minute ago a few minutes ago about how well you know they kept green up right and kept the offense moving forward that wasn't always the case or maybe not to the degree that you might expect on this side of the ball in terms of overall stop rate on defense they were 64th their sack rate 7.6 percent was 35th you know good but not top tier necessarily yeah and if you want to focus up front in particular they've got a lot of production that they're trying to replace up there now George Tarlis is gone um you know, uh, Divine Obituary is gone. Jackson Cravens is gone. Scott Matlock is gone. That's a lot of talent up front, which is not to say that the cupboard is totally bare. All of a sudden, you know, they do have at least two reliable new guys, relatively new guys, uh, to this sort of, you know, conference consciousness, you might say. You know, guys like Herbert Gums, Ahmed Hassanayan, who stepped up last year and and, and performed solidly, if not better. At their positions in the, in the, on the interior and the edge, respectively, but maybe more so than any other part of the team, they're going to rely a lot more on transfers than I, at least in recent memory that I can recall, than they really ever have. Yeah, because they brought in you know at least a, I would say a quartet of of potential contributors. You know, Sheldon Newton came in from Northern Arizona. Tyler Weggis came in from Utah. Kyvon Wright from Boston College. Howard Brown, most recently from Iowa State. I think that group is going to be the real X factor because if they yeah. can, if they can at least come close to approaching, especially in terms of pass rush, which I think is in in terms of defense, which was another one of the questions that we got. How do we feel about the defense? E- <laughs> they they need someone to step up and lead the charge in the pass rush because i'll say i'll,
1: I'll say hold your breath on that one
0: <laughs> which which also leads me to sort of the other potential x factor is this the year that demetri washington finally stays healthy and finally breaks out
1: they need him he's they need production
0: at... out of that stud position and
1: uh, looking to and up if like it's a Phil's- not going to be
0: him, then maybe they need to give Gabe Hunter more reps or, or something like that. Like they, they need that just about as badly because, you know, what they got from Tarlis before he got hurt last year was a, a really a, a boost off the edge that they didn't necessarily have in the couple of years before that. And, and Matlock gave them that from the interior at least a little bit. And it's not immediately apparent who's going to be the next people up in that guard. Yeah, you know, they might need to get a little more from attacking, you know, with their linebacker or something like that, sure. or it could just be like, you know, someone like Washington, someone like Hunter steps up and provides what they need as an sort of an assigned edge rusher. You know that those transfers in that position in particular, the stud position, is going to be really critical to the team's success this here.
1: Definitely. So, looking at preseason magazines, do you want to take a guess? You, pro- you may know this off the top ahead, but if you tell if you know, tell me. Do you how many defensive players made Phil Stills all four com- all four deep team for Boise State on defense? Oh, a lot. No, two. Really? Only two. Oh, DJ was it, Shram? Was it, uh, was it Shram and uh, was it Rodney Robinson? No, Demetri Washington and um, Shram first and thirteen. That's it. Well, Shram is un- Shram is unsurprising. We'll talk more about him. In a well, minute. I get that. No, I'm just looking overall, like I I'm double checking, like I'm looking at this right. They only have two out of forty-four positions on defense, two were from Boise State. Because it was pretty shocking because the past five, six years, even with changing coaches, the defense has been usually better than the offense. So this this is why losing multiple starters, basically their entire secondary, is why people are concerned where this team might have to be in the lost shootouts if they're going to exceed. Ten plus wins, maybe, and try to get be conference champions again. Maybe go to a big time bowl game. They're going to need the offense to score points. The defense just kind of hang around and do their best. Like that's just kind of the difference in talent disparity and what they have compared to the conference. But what, like what you mentioned, transfers are going to play a big role. Guys being healthy are going to play a big role. His defense might be still might be really good, but they lost so many players, and it's hard to tell how good they are with the way they played like throughout the year last season because the um, level competition, and you mentioned all the quarterbacks they played. Those weren't great quarterbacks, and so it's hard to tell how good this defense overall will be, but that's kind of a little eye popping in there when they have so few all-conference-considerated players.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do think that you would do a disservice, though, if you didn't point out that, much like on offense, you know, I mentioned Prince Strachan at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got guys on at basically every – unit that could step up and, and reasonably, you know, contribute, you know, hundred, 150 meaningful snaps. Yeah, you know, just up you front, yeah. Up front, you might look at guys like, uh, you know, Jaden Virgin coming off the edge. Like maybe he steals a little bit of time away from, from Washington and Hunter, um, you know, on the interior could be guys like, you know, Cortez Hogan's who's coming back. You know, he's been around for, he's a 60 year senior Braxton belly coming up as a sophomore. So, I mean, they've got options, Mm-hmm. but there's a little more prove it up front than I think that there has been in the last couple of years.
1: Yeah. And you look at, ret- I'm trying to pull it up here, returning production overall. Cause that's a interesting stat. They were 80. 80- this right for bills. 85th on defense. They they do bring back. So that's not as bad as that. 85th is not great, but it's not as bad as I thought it'd be. 55% mm-hmm. of the production production is returning. I know it's, it's no like central Michigan who's right below them overall, but 80% back. So 55% is just below average because there's 133 FBS teams. Is that correct now? 130? 130, yeah, 133. Yes. So they're in the what, bottom third? Uh, what's that? Um, third quartile? Third, what? 50 to 75th percentile, somewhere in that range? Something <laughs> like that, if my, if my math is correct. So they're not terrible. They bring over half, which is good. But again, how many players is that half coming from? Only a couple. So you're <laughs> right. If they have death guys, six-year seniors, COVID seniors, transfer guys coming in, like you, you're discussing during our chats and our DMs and with everybody, like the newcomer player of the list is going to be wild because you have all these transfers coming with the portal being more player friendly to move around, which is great. It's just hard to know. And some of these guys well, maybe this guy, the guys move team for a reason and it's whether injury playing time, close mm-hmm. to family, whatever it may be, not live up, living up to expectations. Can they make live up to the new hype or their new goal set for a new team And Boise state defense? They may have, may have some of those guys. And so, it's a big wait and see of who's going to be where and who can come in and play. And that's kind of what I'm looking for outside of those couple of guys that we've kind of mentioned who are all conference considerated players. So that's going to be a thing. It's against it's like track record says they'll be fine, but it's fine. Good enough against Washington. You know what I mean? When they play these good teams, when they play UCF, I don't know. Well, the
0: good news is that there are a lot fewer questions at linebacker. That's helpful. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we, we brought up Shram, who was you know, one of those breakout candidates we, we like to talk about. But seemingly every year with the, with this Boise State team, you know, broke out 107 tackles, mm-hmm. 11 and a half TFLs. And, you know, according to PFF, far and away in the conference, number one with 59 total stops. For the sake of comparison, I believe, I, can't, I don't have it in front of me, I apologize, who was number two, but it was basically like you know him and then basically everybody else in terms of their ability to stop the run. So, you know, between him, you know, they are of course losing Ezekiel Noah a long-time veteran is going to sting a little bit. But I would contend that you know, when Andrew Simpson was given a chance to start a few games down the stretch last year, like he played pretty well, and at least in terms of like the guys who are coming back in terms of overall pff grade, um it's basically you know say say we'll talk more, more about in a couple minutes. And then Simpson, you know, he has he has the second best grade of any returning defender, even slightly better than Schram, of anybody on this side of the ball. So, you know, between the two of them and guys behind them like Ty Tanner, Deshaun Misa, I really don't have a lot of concerns about this particular part of the field for the Broncos.
1: Yeah. And Oladipo plays that because Boise plays that like kind of a fifth uh, DB. So he kind of plays both. Yeah. He's like, he's
0: probably going to be like the new nickelback and you replace yeah, Jones.
1: Like, yeah. That type of position where you got to, he'll do both pass coverage and go after the uh, running back or QB occasionally pass, basically rush defense essentially for a part mm-hmm. of it. And so yeah, you're right. That could area with the depth they have and what they've typically done. Even with new coaches, it should be fine. But I think the biggest concern might be DB where, if you want to consider Old Depot is technically a new starter back there, but four or five starters are gone from last year. Three or four traditional secondary players are back. Only bring back Rodney Robinson. Everybody else, they're upperclassmen. But...
0: Well, Kalnogi Cal Kaniho is back, too.
1: Oh, he is? Oh, this magazine's incorrect. Yeah. I apologize. They're all incorrect here. Oh, my goodness. Yikes. Apologies. I thought I had looked everybody up looking at multiple things here, but see, it's tricky, folks. This uh, portal stuff, if people print magazines, you do research, and it's not always... There can be a player who tri- like well. Literally it it tri- also
0: depends on your <laughs> definition of back because, like for example, Alexander Tubner only started two games last year, but yeah, yeah. he played. He played about three hundred and fifty snaps for them, and and yeah. I know for a fact he had at least a couple of game changing plays. Um, no, he's good you know, when yeah. when he was called upon. So like they have guys like him. Um, you know, Jalen Clark got a lot more mm-hmm. run down the stretch last year, so he's probably going to step up into one of those cornerback slots. But to your point, yeah. it's 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 not bulletproof because at, at the same time, what are you going to get, for example, out of someone like Barkel Reed? Yeah. Who started the year in the yeah, starting line start against six Oregon starts
1: State.
0: last year. Yeah. No, no, no. He was he was out for the year after that first game.
1: Oh, what does this say? Six for the second for the
0: second straight year.
1: Oh, for, why am I, Why doesn't buy Phil still magazine says so six starts last year? ST start, right? Am I correct on that? ST? Last four years. Am I? Oh. Over geez. four years. Do you? Why? He goes, okay. I'm not going to run off Phil still, but make it more clear. If you're putting the starting lineup, make it more clear. I... I'm like, oh, he had six starts last term. I remember he didn't play a ton. I'm like, well, that seems a bit more. I look down. And also, he has like size eight font prints or something. You need a magnifying glass to look at it sometimes. So, apologies. Six start in four years. I knew he didn't play. I'm like, that seemed off when I said it, but I'm like, okay. Trying to recall. But he's been around for a couple of years. But what did you say played what one game last year, two games?
0: Yeah, but he played against Oregon State in the opener before another knee That's injury right. wiped out his season.
1: Yeah. So, you know, the,
0: the pieces are there for the for things to just keep rolling and be fine. But there's just enough uncertainty where, it, where as I talked about at the very beginning, like they're not going to face the same you know, middling class of quarterbacks this year. They're going to need be you on know, their game from the get-go. And so, you know, I, I think that the potential is there for some of the newer guys who were mostly in part-time due to last year guys like Clark Ladipo, to be that next class of stars for this defense, but I think, you know, relative to the defensive line, which, you know, which we mentioned brought in a ton of transfer depth and the linebackers, which I think has benefited from just, you know, homegrown recruiting and development, you know, this particular unit operates somewhere in between where, you know, last year as a, as a unit, as a team, you know, they, they allowed a completion rate of 51.7%. They only allowed 6.5 yards per attempt. And they had more interceptions than touchdowns. I don't think that's going to happen again. And and how well they're able to battle regression on that front is going to be another one of those big things that I think, when all is said and done, is really going to tell the story of this season.
1: And also, look at the quarterbacks they play. They play Washington, good quarterback. UCF, San Jose State, CSU. Fresno State should have a pretty good quarterback. Cooper Legaille, Utah State's a good quarterback. They're playing a lot of good quarterbacks this season. Mm-hmm. So these guys need to get, especially when they play up uh, Michael Penix Jr. week one up in Seattle playing Washington. That'll be very difficult. UCF, not going to be easy. Like, this is yeah, I do think this, early. I do
0: think this unit has more to prove than just about any other.
1: Oh, yeah. Over yeah, definitely, 100%. <laughs> linebacker has always been proven, even though they have, like, what, one, one half guys back. Depends where you classify as the edge guy or the nickelback guy. That's fine. Defensive front's. They'll be okay. They'll they'll be good. But yeah, the secondary is my biggest concern for them overall. Track record says they'll be fine. But again, I still think the offense is going to need to help the defense out a bit more this year, at least early on the first month, which is not easy. Washington, UCF, they get North Dakota. And then Friday night at San Diego State, that first month is going to be tricky schedule. Three of those four, not guaranteed victories by any stretch.
0: Well, the other good news is that they probably don't have any concerns on special teams either.
1: Good for them. That's always helpful. You don't want to You don't want to be dropping punts or missing field goals. That's right. Because I mean, where do we rank? Have, I mean,
0: you have one of the one of the best kickers in the country in Jonah Dalmas, who yeah. currently sports in a career field goal success rate of eighty eight point nine percent, and and has been a Lou Groza Award semifinalist the last two years. And James Ferguson Reynolds had a pretty solid season in his first GAR out as a punter. I think you know he represented a, a slight upgrade. Over some of his predecessors like Joel Velasquez, so I think you know all things considered, Boise State's in pretty good hands on all fronts, and 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 that's not even to say you know they they seem to have one or two big like blocked punts every single year as well, so that should continue to be a strength for this team.
1: Yeah, they'll should be fine. Returning kicks, punting, kicking, just offense. Here's the thing: touchdowns win the games. So if you're on them too much, it could be a problem. But if you, you if, you get stuck, if you get stuck, I trust the guy, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, is it schedule time? Is it the best part of the show time? Picking Let's the wins and losses <laughs> here in middle. Uh, our exact date here recording this will be below June 25th on a Sunday afternoon. Their schedule is... It's a oh. difficult schedule. I don't think it's that easy, right? I already mentioned they start off at Washington, which... Depending where you look at for the uh, preseason, like top 25 and stuff, or SP, Plus, they are about what top 15 at worst team. Yeah. Overall, they have yep. one of the best, best quarterbacks in the country. Michael Penix Jr. gonna be a fine Heisman consideration. Washington quietly went what 10 and 2 last year with Kalen DeBoer in his first year. We're going up from Fresno to Washington.
0: They were this 15 team, points away from going undefeated. Do you realize that?
1: Yeah. There was a quirk, and there, there's a way it turned out for. Get into the Pac-12 title game to face, um, I think USC. I don't remember. I think they could have replaced Utah at some point. I forgot how it went, but yeah, they were they are that good. They are a team where, like the Pac-12 in general, like they'll probably do something stupid and <laughs> some team will go ten and two, and there'll be problems. But they have one of the best quarterbacks in the country. When you look at the Pac-12 up and coming coaches in the country, Kevin the boards up there. What we've seen him do at Fresno State, and then when he was the OC in Indiana before, where obviously Penix was previously playing quarterback there that everybody remembers that diving pylon touchdown was not a touchdown play a couple years ago, even just within the pac 12, besides being behind guys like Kyle Woodenham, Lincoln Riley, he's one of the top coaches in there. Chip Kelly's probably just because of what he did before at Oregon. Like he's up there. One of the better coaches in the conference, better than Wazoo what they have. Cal ASU like, Colorado, even, you know, Sanders, like he's one of the top four coaches in that conference. And being a first year guy to get 10 wins, that's crazy. And this is going to be like, this is going to be Tesla's defense ASAP for Boise State.
0: Their passing game could be insanely good.
1: Yeah. You know, and, that, and not
0: only because Penix has familiarity with DeBoer, like, let's not forget that when DeBoer was the OC at Indiana, mm hmm. That happened to be like the one year that you know yeah. <laughs> had maybe their best season in a long time. Um, before he got banged up and, and lost that job. And then DeBoer, of course, went to Fresno State. It seems like you know, what they do at Washington is sort of the platonic ideal of what he was doing at Fresno State, you know, during his time there. Mm-hmm. With the the kind of absurd talent that you can get at a power five program with a track record like Washington. Um you know, 31 touchdowns, eight interceptions. And oh, by the way, uh his top five pass catchers from last year are all back, mm-hmm. including a pair of 1,000-yard wide receivers in Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan. I think Boise State's best chance in this game is going to be if the Huskies' defense still remains shaky. You know, I talked a little bit earlier about, like, net points per drive and things like that. I and mean, that was really an area where Washington struggled last year because, like, for example— uh, in terms of available yards percentage no team in the country was more dangerous on offense at moving the ball than washington was they were number one 61.93 of available yards per drive on defense though they gave up 53 percent of yards per drive which was 108th which is not to say that they don't have talent you know they they have a star defensive lineman and braylon trice who had 12 tackles for loss and nine sacks last year you know, they are replacing a couple of people in the secondary, but they did bring in Jabbar Bahamid from Oklahoma State. He had an interception and nine pass breakups last year. So it's going to be a really tall task for Boise to go on the road and win this game, which is why I think they'll be able to put up a good fight. I just don't know if they're going to be able to keep washed off the board for 60 minutes. Which no, is why I have this game, one penciled in as a loss.
1: I do, well. This game kicks off at uh, 1230 Pacific on ABC, so it's the Looking at the week was it week one schedule? Like Rice Texas, who cares? That's on Big Fox. TCU Colorado's before. I don't care. Colorado get their head bashed in. Like this could be like maybe we're being biased, but I'm scrolling through the whole set. I know the first week it's spread out, but it legit might be the best one of the best games of the weekend, potentially. Out there mm-hmm. going through like the evening type schedule, going through everything on the uh what they what's being offered. It might be legit the best game of the weekend, potentially. I don't know if they'll be top 25. Boise State, probably not. to be on the outside. But looking through like two, like North Carolina, South Carolina, could be interesting. That's the primetime ABC game after this one. But looking overall, like Nevada, USC, sorry, Wolfpack, you're going to get your butt kicked. Like who cares about uh, Bucknell, James Madison? No. Like Gardner, Webb, App State, like these games, like this is going to be the Ohio State, Indiana, that big old CBS mid-afternoon slot, like fest. Ohio State's a 28-point favorite. But in this game, even though I say it could be a good game, it's still a 16-point favorite for Washington. And Boise's not coming in this game, unfortunately. They would need to. Here's how they can do it. The offense needs to play out of the play, probably, like you mentioned, the Washington defense still be a little shaky. And then the defense is going to have to come up with like a couple short fields or something to score quick points. Mm-hmm. That's how I think they can do it. Like the 16 point seems like a lot. It's I might be still, I still, I could take Boise for that. Like they might keep it within 14, but I just don't think they do it on the road because Washington has high hopes. So that's a loss for me. Mm-hmm. Then they host newly Big 12 Central? Do they care if it's UCF or Central Florida? What's your preference of name? They very much City? care. I know what it is. I don't know which one it is. So that's what I, I, it's, I do it, it's, do it.
0: technically, it's technically UCF. It's like calling Nevada, Nevada, Arena.
1: Wait, wait, wait. So what do they want to be called?
0: They want to be called UCF.
1: All right, Central Florida, you're going to Bo- Boise State <laughs> that week. I don't care. I just want to screw with them. Um, this is the home and home return before they got the Big Twelve invites, and I do wish they're still in American because you remember how the stupid fights on Twitter, like we're better than you, we're this, we're like we're the brand group non-power team. I'm like, no, you're not. UCF don't have winless seasons twice this century. <laughs> to, to, well, the, uh, the real
0: irony is that they've mostly you know been along the same track since that matchup a couple of years ago even yeah. despite the fact that they are now in the Big 12. Um, you know, the Knights have only won nine games in each of the last two years,
1: which... Only? <laughs> consider- consider-
0: considering some of the depths that they reached, they're probably not complaining, but they, you, you do you notice that they aren't crowing quite as much as they were during those, yeah. those back-to-back uh, New Year's six experiences?
1: Like right they're now... Dangerous. You, they're a great team. Their pro- FPI has them a 61% chance to win the game. So they're the one team I think I'm doing. I'm working on like the SP plus FPI kind of uh, projected wins or kind of favoritism there, and that's one of the mm-hmm. team Boise's not favored to win, but they have clearly good talent on this team. Like they're they have Gus Malzone, which Malzone, whatever you want to make of him, because he's been around. This is a team that the Big Twelve isn't great. There's a small, There's a chance, not huge, that they could win the Big Twelve this year. Like they they could be. I think they could be in the conversation to be be that good who I'm not sure their full schedule, but I think they have talent enough to be top third in that conference. And that means that they take much over Boise State. I
0: don't know if I would buy all the way in, but what Boise I State do think team. is that they've got a pretty good chance of scoring a lot of
1: points in the Big Twelve. Yeah. Big twelve always gives scores points.
0: Well and and because you know their quarterback John Reese Plumley is very tailing green like in his own right, um yes. and maybe is sort of a a, a A benchmark that Boise State fans can sort of keep their eyes on because you know last year he completed 63 percent of his throws um, ran for over a thousand yards after you adjust for sacks accounted for I believe 25 total touchdowns about 265 yards of total offense per game he's a guy who can do a little bit of everything and he's got explosive athletes around him like their top returning running back RJ Harvey had only five touchdowns last year but in part-time duty, he averaged you know six six point seven yards per carry, and their leading receiver Javon Barker, you know fifty-six catches, seven hundred ninety-six yards, five touchdowns. But you know he's the leading receiver on a unit that you know much like Boise State themselves is bringing back just about everybody who caught at least ten passes last year. So I do think that it's it, going to be very similar to Washington the game, and I I think UCF is going to push this Boise State defense, and so the real trick is going to be whether or not Boise State can play its own game against the UCF defense that has holes, but in particular has a lot of talent up front in the trenches. Like, they've got a trio of defensive linemen, Tremont Morris-Brash, Ricky mm-hmm, Barber, Josh Chaliscar. 30.5 combined TFLs last year. So they Pretty could good. get it done up front. They could be the team that that, that puts the brakes on Boise State's ground game, which makes me think that it's going to be really tough for Boise State to win this game, too. I have this one. pencil does a loss as well.
1: I think they can do it because the defense, like you mentioned all the TFLs, um, sacks were okay. Like 20, what did they get? uh, 22 sacks from last year. So it's like Mm -hmm. that's... Fine. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't scream amazing. That's barely. what's one and a half a game.
0: That was actually like one that, of their one of their team weaknesses last year. Their team sack in. rate on defense was only five percent. That was hundred and second in the country.
1: Yeah, I was trying to look at the total real quick. Twenty two. I just go by pure numbers, but you mentioned that's one of the worst in the country. They were 90, what, 100th, Looks like yeah, one hundred. So that's where Taylor Green come in. If his legs and can move and run around like him, getting what eight almost eight yards a rushing attempt, that could be mm-hmm. an area where he sidesteps the sack and guy come in and make plays that way. I think they're going to win. I'm Boise State. I'm picking the Broncos to win. I just think it'll be, come down the wire, it'll be a very close game. It's one where they definitely need to um, play one of their better games. Like defensively, they're going up against those receivers and quarterback they have. What'd you mention the running back? They return, because Reese Pumbly's their leading returning rusher last year. They still have um, Isaiah, no, Isaiah Browser, NFL, got free agent pickup, I think. So that's another area where it may not be Ideal, but RG Harvey, pretty good too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He'll, be, he'll be quite well. He got almost 800 yards. So they got all this will be offensive showdown in this game. But I'm picking Boise to win in a close one. I'm trying to look. Do you have what the line is, real quick? I'm trying to pull it up. I'm having a little. I do not. All right, here we go. I think I got it here. Boise State, that's Michigan. No line at the moment, but I think you said probably be favored by a couple, but I'm going to lean Boise State because they're at home. And come up, I know it's it's also a good reason for you to maybe pick a loss, just because big, huge emotional world game at Washington, tough matchup, play a week later. But I think Boise needs to be a close win in that one. And then they get North Dakota. They are what's their mascot? It's not obviously not North Dakota State. Are it's they the, the, fight the uh, Hawks? The Fighting Hawks, didn't they? Were they the one that beat? no, they didn't beat the Mountain West team recently, did they? trying to think. No. No. Do you have an FCS minute for people for the North Dakota Hawks, fighting Hawks? You you know that I do. I'm not going to let our boys (laughs) state listeners down.
0: So obviously they aren't as well regarded as their uh, brethren in the North Dakota, North Dakota state, but they are, they they are a pretty good FCS team in their own right. They did make the FCS playoffs last year. Um, You know, they're led by their quarterback, Tommy Schuster completed 68.8% of his throws. Uh, seven and a half yards per tent, much like Green himself, and a four to one touchdown to interception ratio, 20 and five. You know, his leading receiver is also back for 2023, Bo Belquist, who had 63 catches, 811 yards, six touchdowns last year. And a defense that, you know, is pretty solid, if not spectacular. They have a couple of potential all-conference uh, candidates in you know, defensive lineman Ben Mcnaboe. Last year, he had 13 TFLs and six and a half sacks. The top cornerback, C.J. Siegel, had eight pass breakups, two interceptions. They're a pretty good team for the FCS level, but you know, I'm pretty sure I said the same thing about Tennessee Martin a year ago. (laughs) But this is not a game that Boise Station was at home. I've got this one as a win.
1: They should win. See what time this game kicks off?
0: Isn't it like super early?
1: 10 a.m. local time. (sighs) Get, get, you know your ready. get your mimosas ready.
0: Get your orange juice and your champagne in advance. You'll be fine. You
1: get, that, you get that ready, and then you get ready to watch all the other football the rest of the day, right?
0: There you go. That's, that's what a I move. say.
1: That's the move. You can watch Wyoming play Texas later that day. Hawaii and Oregon. Got some matchup. Aztecs, Beavers. There you go. All right, that's one for me, too. Then they have Friday nights at San Diego State. Why, are, why does Boise State always... Just because I know you know this question, Matt, you 100% know it. Why do they always play a really good team early on in conference play? It's usually been Air Force, but now they're getting to the at home or on the road on a Friday night as well. That's yeah, not, a, it's not a ideal for the, want for the to see. It's going,
0: to be, it's going to be a spotlight game for both teams.
1: So we'll talk, when we go through, for people wondering, like, are we going to spend 20 minutes on this game? No, <laughs> obviously not. When it's conference games, we'll give a little insight here and there, talk about these games. But when we get to, the, you'll get more juice, obviously, because we spend the first what sixty five percent talking about the team, individual teams. Mm-hmm. But this game, I'm the big, the one big thing I want to know because I don't have, I haven't had your thoughts on this because I talked about this solo for somehow forty seven minutes the other day. Here's what I'm going to ask instead: of the Aztecs, before we get the game, are they going to be on the rail of the conference at this point? Will we know if they're going to be in the Mountain West beyond this year when this game takes place? I don't think so. You think they're submit their paperwork and be on their way out? Probably. Probably oh, okay.
0: So this is, with, this is with no insider knowledge whatsoever. I it's no, just no, a hunch.
1: No, obviously. No, it, it's it's a good hunch. It seems likely that's their move, and I don't blame them. So that means Aztecs are gonna be a team where people want to beat the crap out of them every because you're leaving this, blah, blah, blah. Similar to Boise State treat, or BYU treatment a while back in the day. So, but as for the game itself, like real quick stuff, like the big concern, like when you look at the matchup of these two teams. This is one of the quarterback situations where are they? Gonna, is Aztecs going to take the next step up in quarterback? Because I mentioned earlier on, their quarterback situation almost mirrored what Boise State did with Jalen Maiden coming in partway through. He played defensive back for the for the Aztecs, moved over, played pretty well, did some good things, and so I could see this being a pretty good underrated quarterback matchup. Aztecs defense, yeah, I mean, guys it's, like, it's pres-
0: definitely going to. It's definitely not going to be the same kind of lopsided matchup it was a year ago. The no, because I the offense for, for San Diego State appears to be in a much better position overall, I do think yeah. that, you know what both teams have in common, and we'll talk about this more about the Aztecs in detail later, is that they both have sort of similar questions on defense. You know, both have questions along the defensive line, both look very strong at linebacker, both have you know secondaries with a lot of promise, but not a uh, not a lot of previous production. And so in that case, I could see this being a relatively evenly matched game between both sides. For me, the difference is Boise State's crown game, which is why I have this one as a Broncos win. But
1: well, you're right, because running a game for San Diego State's been, well, not good, right? The past couple of years? It's been hit or miss, yeah. I'm picking Aztecs for the victory in this one. On the road. Oh, okay. Short week. I, I know they play North Dakota, so that's gave me a little hesitancy. Like, oh, maybe they'll win. I think this will be close, but I think it's going to be in four because it's on the road as well. Snapdragon, so I'm going to go Boise with uh, their their second lost year. They'll be two and two when they go to Memphis the week next week. Mm-hmm. So, so all the people say all we do is like this team. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right, that's something. Yeah, hey, that's raised your eyebrow, right?
0: A little bit. I will okay. acknowledge that.
1: I think QB play be more even a little bit. They Ryan Lindley they'll be passing more. I just think circumstances is why I lean towards San Diego State. Not saying obviously Boise can't win, but I'm just saying it's the situation where a short week they already played two re- really good te- two teams, and that could play a factor.
0: All right. So, so what, what from- are your thoughts on Memphis then? Well, they all are right not at
1: Memphis. I sure that's the thing. They go all the way to the Eastern Time Zone. I don't know. But when you look at Memphis, they're a team who desperately wants to get out of that conference to move up like UCF and Cincinnati did. But when you look at what Memphis has done, like their SP, SP plus ring, they're middle of the pack team. They're not what they were a couple years ago, where they were scoring points, challenging yeah. to win the American they, title. They haven't come the close to
0: replicating that 2019 Cotton Bowl season.
1: Yeah, with um, who was their coach? Uh, Norvell, right? The other Norvell? Mike Norvell, before we left My Florida gosh. State. Yeah, so he's for Florida State. So that's a situation where they have ambitious, but the problem is they can't win close games. So if this game is close, I wouldn't expect them to win because the past three seasons, twenty-one and fifteen, pretty good coach under Ryan Silverfield, but their close losses or close close games have been well, not great. The offense, like I said, there's been no. Real amazing offensive yeah, to, talent with this team. To, to, run like, it,
0: to run it down for everybody uh, who may not have paid attention to Memphis much last year, they lost by one at home to Houston. Yeah,
1: I was trying to pull they that up. again. get quick they enough. They lost Thank in you. quadruple
0: overtime at oh! East Carolina, uh, lost by seven at home to UCF, and then lost on the road to close the season at SMU.
1: Yeah, so I mean, they his... were right
0: there against you know the cream of the crop in the AAC last year, and just could not get over the hump. And a lot of that just has to do with consistency. And maybe nobody and... exemplifies that better than their quarterback Seth Hennigan, who, if you look yes. at the numbers, you know, sixty four percent completion rate, eight yards per attempt, twenty two touchdowns against eight interceptions. That's pretty good, right?
1: Uh, Thirty five sacks.
0: <laughs> that's, the, a that's less than ideal. Yeah, keeping him on his feet, but you know,
1: more importantly,
0: like you know, if you look at his splits between wins and losses. Like, when he's on his game, he's one of the best quarterbacks in that conference. Problem is, when he's not on the, his game, he's he can be pretty disastrous. Like, you know, in the six losses that they had last year, he had seven interceptions, even despite, you know, completing more of his passes overall. So, like, if, if Boise State's defense can get off on a good foot, you know, they should be able to challenge him, mm-hmm. especially since they don't have quite as much you know, on, on hand to sort of be reliable pieces around him. Like their talented tight end, Caleb Prescorn, you know, he transferred, I believe their top wide receiver moved on as well. So they're basically starting over in the passing game. And like, they do have some guys who were relatively big play guys. You know, they're one of the, I think their leading returning receiver Joe skates averaged over 20 yards catch last year and had four touchdowns. But there's a lot of uncertainty on that side of the ball and almost as much on defense. Like, they do return Jalen Allen, who had maybe his best year yet. He had five sacks and 10 TFLs. But, you know, they've got to replenish the offensive line. They brought in a lot of transfers to do that. They did the same thing on defense at linebacker and secondary. So there's a lot of new pieces coming in, even more than we talked about with Boise State, that are going to be expected to sort of help shore up this slide that they've been on.
1: And one quick thing, on offense think, like, Oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to say, I think that puts Boise state in a good position to go ahead and win this one on the road.
1: Yeah, they're, they're true. I agree with that. But a couple of things like, what do you make of Javon Ducker or Javon Ducker who had only 500 yards last year, but 12, almost 1200 year before. So like, what's he going to turn back offense? I have like Asa Martin as well. It's pretty good. So i running game deceptively. Yeah. 32 is pretty good. Obviously. At, they didn't run the ball extremely well overall, like about four yards of carry. So, like if Ducker could come back to that year before he had, like if he gets nine hundred yards, yeah, he was yards a in, former
0: freshman of the year in the MAC, I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so him having that that many yards, it's like I know different conference, everything so it changes, but if he can come close to that, and Ace Martin takes the next step as well, the offense could have more balance. And then new receivers, like you mentioned, may not be necessarily important to win. They can rely mm-hmm. more on the running game because Henniger, or excuse me, Henigan ran almost 300 yards a couple touchdowns nothing crazy but that's not his forte though running yeah i've just said like he he moved a little bit so i'm just looking over all the rushing like oh he's close to martin i'm like yeah but yeah it's not great to carry whatever force includes that guardage but i'm like about 300 yards for a quarterback that's 10 what's that 10 a game 15 a game i don't know what's my math (laughs) doing here terrible 20 a game i don't know it's whatever it's not nothing but it's not great obviously he's a passer but if they can get their running back going, they'll have to rely less on that. And him, not that he did much of anything. Four TDs, probably some sneaks, I'm guessing. And then do they still return Brandon Thomas as well? He had nine touchdowns. So the running situation is could be sneaky good. They have depth there overall. So maybe that's where Ducker wasn't necessarily needed to replicate his mm-hmm. freshman season elsewhere. But I think that's an area too where just run the ball a lot. And if Hennigan can maybe throw a little bit less just because of new receivers at this point, but also it's also midseason. But that's a lot of what ifs. So I'm going to go with Boise State with a with a win. But it'll be I think this will be a reasonably entertaining game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any stretch because I don't think either team could do that. But I can see something like the North Texas game last year; they win but within a touchdown. So All we're right. sitting at what's your record so far? I'm sitting at three and two after five games.
0: It's three and two.
1: Okay, so then your schedule it doesn't get much easier. We'll kind of blast through this a bit. So the thick of conference play, their home games are San Jose State. Good to have a tough team at home. Wyoming, tough team at home. New Mexico, we'll see. Air Force is finally the last game of the season, Matt. They finally moved it to the end. That's at home. The road games, CSU should be fine. At Fresno, at this point, we should Fresno is late like near that Utah State, which is she's had the best of them, but last a couple times, past couple years, has been closer than that. What do you kind of make of that stretch coming through? Any like multi-game stretch, like eh, maybe this could cause some issues for Broncos.
0: I mean, honestly, I think it depends on everything that we talked about with the defense.
1: (laughs) Exactly, Javon Cornier. And so
0: the question—the question that I was asking myself when I was predicting wins and losses—is who—who are the teams that I think are likely to possess an offense strong enough to really push Boise State's defense? And and I think if you if you want to think about it in maybe more concrete terms, like which offenses Mm -hmm. do I think have the potential to be closest? to the troubles that I think Boise State are likely to see at the beginning of the season against Washington UCF. And to me, mm. there are two primary candidates. Yeah, okay. San
1: Jose State. Yep, I agree. And Fresno State. You wouldn't include Colorado State in that bunch at all?
0: I don't think Colorado State's that far away, but I think that, you know their, their major offensive line questions are sort of a TBD, in my opinion.
1: So if Toy Horton goes yeah, off for 12 throw for Wyoming 200 yards too,
0: like you know, the, the Broncos have typically had a lot of success against Wyoming, but the Cowboys have had a tendency to just make it a fist fight every single year. That defense, man. Whew. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think the advantage that they have over the Cowboys is that that game is at home. Um, and, and, and then as far as like the three game stretch at the end of the year, I don't know if I necessarily see them having too much trouble against the likes of the Lobos, the Aggies and the Falcons, but I penciled them to lose against both against both the Spartans
1: and the Bulldogs. Wow. So what's that record put for you? Eight and four?
0: Eight and four, six and two in
1: conference. See, people, we, we're not always loving Boise State. Eight and four is an okay record. <laughs> I mean, it's a tough schedule. It is like in CSU. I feel could like be, I, say I don't... this every week. There's also an
0: there's also a, a non-zero chance that I'm that I'm underrating them a little bit, in the same way that I underrated Utah State and, and Colorado State.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I really do think it's going to come down to that. You know, how much more of a step forward can the offense take overall to offset the the losses or the the regression that they're likely going to see on defense.
1: Yeah, when you look at, yeah, that makes sense. Look at the teams that pass, like San Jose State, they don't have Elijah Cooks back. So they have an experienced quarterback, but no amazing receiving group. Kyrie Robinson is he going to do running the ball ever and be consistent? CSU, probably not going to win. I mean, Boise's not going to lose, but that could be a challenging game if Toy Horton goes off for like three touchdowns, 10 catches, 200 yards. That's a huge game, obviously, 150 maybe, but that they would have to be a shootout. Wyoming's defense, like you said, could keep it 17 to 12. Fresno State, quarterback we'll see but there are i trust jeff tedford i have them winning all the games left but i'm not confident in it. i have them going 10 and 2.
0: yeah it would not surprise me if they go 10 and, 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 and secure a spot in the championship game i'm just it's it's just enough that i might be hedging a little bit
1: i think for me getting san jose State at home and while i'm at home is huge
0: like those the, are thing the, t- about, the thing about San Jose State, which we'll talk more about later on, you know they have their own offensive line concerns, but they were a very young offensive line last year. It wasn't like they were shuffling yeah. through, you know, with health concerns and ineffectiveness. You know, the mm-hmm. Spartans on like Colorado State are they're bringing back just about everybody from from that unit, um, which we'll talk more about later. And then you know Fresno State, we we've seen. It's never the same game twice when these two teams play like, you know, mm-hmm. what the blowout win in Fresno last year was a lot different from the sort of defensive minded victory that, that Bulldogs had on the blue turf in the championship game. But I do think that at least right now on paper, I feel a little bit better about Fresno State's defense overall than I do about Boise State's. And I think to me, that's sort of the difference.
1: That I think for the losable games, that one is the most losable. I think that and probably Wyoming, just because I think defense is really, really good. Mm-hmm. But Fresno, if Fresno can get their quarterback situation taken care of, wherever it's uh, Keen or who's the other Logan, it to be Logan Fife or he transfer. They had a couple of transfers. No, no, he's still there. Good. So they've they've not announced the starting quarterback, so that's going to be a oh, wait and see. I think that's probably the most difficult game to win out of that stretch. Them and Wyoming. And San Jose State, I put that too, but it's at home. I think they'll take care of business. But Air Force ended the year, they'll be the reason. Air Force, I'm pretty confident win. You know, Air Force always fades just because of size restrictions, injuries, just because what they have to deal with, which is a very difficult task for a college football athlete. Also, taking a lot of hard classes and the demands they take for their course load and workout load. That's probably gonna be a win. But I could, I'm not eight and four is not far off. Like the only game, like. When I look at their schedule, the only game I'm saying they're losing for sure is out Washington. Mm-hmm. When you look at every game individually, I think they can win those games. They're not going to, but I think there's a chance they could win every every other game in their schedule. But I can okay. also see them lose I can see them losing San Diego State, maybe Memphis. I could see a San Jose State potentially, Wyoming, Fresno. Maybe one of two between Utah State and Air Force. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say both, but I like. If it's worst case scenario, it's like seven and five, but I don't think that's ever going to be worst case scenario for Boise state. Mm -hmm. There is a question, which I'm going to bring up now. Somebody asked because you put them eight and four because you hate the Broncos apparently compared to everybody else. (laughs) They're saying if I, this is a way out there question. I already know your answer going to be, you can can give a one word answer. Is was Andy Alvo's going to be fired if he doesn't make it to the title game. No, there you go. I agree. There is no, no I, mean, issue. I don't think
0: that's that's just not the way that this program operates. Like they operate as being a model of consistency where you know the, the downs are never down for very long and the highs maybe not as high as they were, you know, in the days of the whack or anything like that. But you know, they're they're sort of metronomic in that way. And so I think you know, the challenge for them, like I said, is just gonna be, you know, if, if the defense is likely to take a step back, what is the offense gonna do to make up for it? You know, the talent is there for them to make a serious run at a New Year's Six bid. But I do think a lot of things are going to have to go right for them. But even if they don't, they're still going to be a solidly above average team at worst. Like, I don't see a situation where everything falls apart in the same way that it did, you know, that it seems to be doing early last year. Um and it, it also helps that you know their quarterback is going to be around for another couple of years. They have at least one of their running backs around for another couple of years. Like, this is a team that, yeah, they've taken on more transfers. You know, they've played the, the transferable game same as every other team in the conference, uh, excepting Air Force, of course. But it's still the conference's, I would say, preeminent draft and develop institution. Or excuse me, you know, it's recruit and develop, excuse me. And I think that's going to keep them in the mix, and I feel like I say this every single year when we do this team preview,
1: mm-hmm. into
0: the foreseeable future.
1: So, no, it, it makes a lot of sense. So you're not leaning into at all like a New York Six game for the Broncos? No. Like, could, could you Could you see that being a possibility? Things go extremely well for them. I
0: would say they got a 5% chance.
1: 5% chance. And they probably need 10 wins to get there, at least.
0: I think th- if they're gonna do it, they have to beat UCF. They gotta be a one
1: loss team. One loss team? Okay. Not even because they were a two loss team before the first time around to make it the festival.
0: I think a lot of things broke their way in
1: that instance. It totally did. And, I'm if, just saying if, it if happened. If
0: memory serves, they were the that they they could, they remain the only one to make it was Marshalls.
1: Remember, Marshalls have a right to tell very, 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 very end for some reason. <laughs> I yeah. think that was dear for that. So um I, Ten and two, so you're saying with them losing two comp, what two conference games, you're probably not going to the title game because remember it's just best two teams. Is that? Kind I of haven't done kids? the I
0: haven't done the entire grid yet of wins and losses. I tend to do them one week at a time, so I cannot Same. give you a concrete answer.
1: Two wins will put them in the conversation. I'd have to because I think that if you get I think three or more, unless something weird happens, I can happen. But two losses is going to be fine to be in the mix. So I get it. You can't. Yeah. Defend it because same thing. I don't do do my win losses, probably an hour. I do all the other stuff that I do the win loss like about an hour before we record. So, any other final Boise State thoughts to get them riled up? (laughs) Uh, All All right, folks. So, this is our Boise State preview. Check back next time on MWR.com or your podcast feed. We'll be doing these about once a week. Talking Broncos this time. We've done CSU Utah State. We'll put up on Twitter MWC Wire to do our next team. So, go out and vote and either vote for your team if you want to hear your team now. Or if you want your team to be at the end, because hey, we don't want to wait till the season's close to your team. Vote for somebody else if you want. It's up to you, right? We don't care how you vote; just do it. There you go. And we'll and um, yeah, we'll see you next time because we are now weeks away from the season starting. So we'll see you next time, everybody.